It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Over and I'm wide. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Midway no weekend for our return. We are ready to roll with a Monday edition of the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, four to six. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy, and of course, you're always connected to the show with the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862, or today, as we do on select Mondays, it is a Facebook Live day, so you can go on to facebook.com slash 1380thefan, check out the show we are streaming video style so you get to see the show behind the scenes. What's actually happening, what I'm signaling to Adam when you don't necessarily know about it. <laughs> we'll try to keep it clean today, yeah. even Adam, by signal. So <laughs> anyway, welcome to the program. It is the day after the Super Bowl, which means most people's days got started probably about 10 o'clock. You might have been <laughs> at the office at 8, but let's let's admit you spent the first hour or two talking about that terrific game last night. I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was a little late for me. I was. Mm. A little, I mean, I enjoyed the fact that we had overtime in the Super Bowl. That's the way it's supposed to be. Two, yeah. two teams really battling it out, taking it right down to the final play. That's exciting. But the fact that it lasted till what, after 11 o'clock? Oh, that's uh, that's getting past your bedtime. Well, it was a long game. That too. I mean, it started about six thirty. Yeah, and then we're getting to eleven, eleven. And it would have been almost a four-hour game if it would have ended in regulation. And then they have overtime, which, of course, the overtime rules. We'll talk about that because they're different. And it seemed like one team was very well prepared for it. The other team, maybe not so much. <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll talk about that. Also coming up on today's show. Plenty of talk about Saturday night's Purdue win over the Indiana Hoosiers. Where does it leave Indiana? We'll uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, I was down in Indy this weekend. Mastodons had to get some revenge against IUPUI after dropping the game up here last month. And they took care of business. They beat the Jaguars. <laughs> that peeve, you know, is oh, yeah. Jaguars. Uh, Jaguars. Uh, they beat them by a final score of 92-65. to 65. Big win with Jalen Jackson leading the way. In fact, Jackson had a heck of a week, and I think he got robbed. It was a snub big time. You know, the Dons went 1-1 one and one after losing the game midweek to, uh, to Cleveland State. And they go and get the win. But a lot of times, if a team is 2-0, and has a player that has somewhat similar stats, that often will will swing the uh, Player of the Week award. Horizon League Player of the Week went to a guy that averaged less points, averaged less rebounds, averaged less assists, but his team went 2-0. and So uh, congratulations to him. <laughs> Jalen Jackson has not won a Horizon League Player of the Week, despite the fact that he's leading the Mastodons in scoring. Dons have had two different players with Player of the Week awards. They've also had... Corey had not, CJ had not the freshman who's picked up freshman of the week like five times, but uh, but they but Jalen Jackson uh, has not been named as player of the week. And I thought this week would be the week. He was uh, solid. He had a high percentage from the field. Uh, he did everything I think you could do to uh, to win the award. So yesterday Super Bowl. Kansas City does it. I know a lot more Kansas City fans than I know San Francisco fans. So most people that I know most closely, especially those right here in 
our office are quite excited about this. But it's the second straight year the Chiefs have won the Super Bowl. They'll go for a three-peat next year. And it's the second straight year that the Chiefs have won the Super Bowl as an underdog. They were an underdog last year Yeah, when they won. They also were an underdog three consecutive playoff games this year against Buffalo, against Baltimore, and in the Super Bowl against San Francisco. Chiefs were underdogs. Wow. Somebody's got to learn out in the desert. As Patrick Mahomes said, Chiefs aren't ever underdogs. No, and I mean, this was before yesterday. He was already 10-1-1 against the spread as an underdog, so make it 11-1-1. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he, uh, you know, they. It, it's funny because, like, teams like that that are really good teams and they need some kind of a, a motivator, sometimes that's one of the things that gets them motivated is they're getting disrespected by by the bookies, and uh, I think that's certainly something that the Kansas City Chiefs noticed and were aware of that they were the underdog going into last night's game but a typical Patrick Mahomes performance seems like uh, a surgeon you know how when the surgeon takes you back for surgery and they get out the marker and before they actually cut they put all these little dots dashes lines and everything on you that's kind of Patrick Mahomes through the course of a football game it's like the first half, he's drawing his little lines, connecting his little dots, and kind of planning out how he's going to surgically attack you in the second half. And then the second half, he comes out. After being down by 10, Chiefs end up taking the lead, which credit to San Francisco and Brock Purdy. They came right back and reclaimed the lead, but then missed the extra point. That was a huge, huge miss. And there was a lot of talk before the game that it could come down to a kick, and everybody wanted to take uh, uh, Butker over Moody as far as the uh, the two kickers were concerned, and it turned out to be a pretty good bet. And it wasn't about a field goal. It was about an extra point. And uh, that to me, that kind of proved to be the difference because it changed the complexion of the game. Instead of being a four-point game, it was a three-point game down the stretch, all uh, Mahomes had to do was get his team into field goal range. Totally changes the way you can approach that final drive when you need to either get it tight or go for the win, knowing you've got that safety net once you're in field goal range. And so uh, Chiefs end up getting the win last night in overtime. Uh, and the new overtime rules into effect for the first time in the Super Bowl. And for those of you that missed it last night, uh, it's not like regular season. They did change the overtime rule after, uh, was it after the Chiefs-Bills game where the Chiefs got the ball, went right down the field and scored, and the Bills never got a chance to answer? They decided to change the rule, but they didn't change it for the regular season. They uh, they changed it for the playoffs, and the way it works in the uh, the playoffs and the way it was set up last night, both teams will have an opportunity to possess the football. Now, that is kind of like college football, where first team gets it, and when you get the ball, if you're the second team, you now know what you need to do to win the contest. Now, in college football, you want to win the coin toss so you can defend first. And so San Francisco won the overtime coin toss, and they decided they wanted the football. Now, you know, they tried to explain it away uh, after the game. Kyle Shanahan was saying, uh, you know, we had a tire defense. and We thought we could attack and score. Oh, baloney. <laughs> They're trying to defend a position that arose because you didn't have your guys prepared. Yeah, multiple guys on the team said that they weren't prepared for it. No. Um, defensive lineman Arik Armstead, I didn't even know about the new playoff overtime rule, so it was a surprise <laughs> to me. It was on the Jumbotron. <laughs> They're sitting there on the sideline reading the Jumbotron saying, what? Uh, and then fullback Kyle Juszczyk said, you know what? I didn't even realize the playoff rules were different in overtime, Juszczyk said. I assume you just want the ball to score a touchdown and win. Yeah. That's the way it, you know, that's what they're used to. And so, um, you know, it, used, it, it 
The regular season rule is if you get the ball first and you score a touchdown, you win. If you kick a field goal, the other team has a chance to answer. Uh, if you get a defensive score, the game is over. But in the playoffs, they want to give both teams an opportunity to possess the ball offensively. And so even if San Francisco would have gone down with that first possession and scored a touchdown, now the Chiefs know they're playing for a touchdown and a touchdown only to get the game tied or get a chance at a two-point conversion that could win the game. And so San Francisco put the Chiefs in the ideal spot by taking the football first, and they did it because they weren't prepared for a rule change that Kansas City was prepared for. In fact, Kansas City came out and said, well, we were going to want the ball second. I'm glad they won the toss and took the ball first. Uh, And so Kansas City was in the spot they wanted to be in, and it does completely change the game. Totally changes it, because now Patrick Mahomes gets the ball, knows what he's got to do. Okay, I mean... He wants to score a touchdown to win the game. That's what it's going to take to win it. And uh, and so what do you do? You go for it on fourth down. You're not going to punt the football. And uh, ultimately, you, uh, you end up with that fourth down conversion that probably never would have happened if the Chiefs had the ball first. Because probably on that fourth down, you got to punt the football away. Instead... They have to go for it because they have to score on this drive. And they end up converting the fourth down and keeping the drive alive, ultimately getting the touchdown then uh, late in the game. But it, it it just changes the entire complexion. The other thing, too, is you also know that if you end up in a first and or a second and long, maybe after a sack or maybe after somebody catches a ball eight yards downfield and then spins their way all the way to a four-yard loss, what the heck was that? Did, That's a I good mean, question. Yeah. Did you, did you say, I mean, he caught the ball, got yeah. spun around, then tried to avoid a tackle going backwards. <laughs> he ended up actually giving up about eight or nine yards from where it would have been spotted if he'd have just gone down on the original tackle. I understand you're fighting to try to get away. But at some point, uh, you know, limit your losses. Just stop going backwards. And uh, he ended up losing, I think, three or four yards on a play that he actually made the catch eight yards downfield. And so it was second and long for the Chiefs instead of second and short. And in a situation like that, as a play caller, as a coach, as a quarterback, you now know you've got three downs to pick that up. You don't have to do it in two. It's not like if you're second and 12, you've got to somehow put yourself in a position to convert the third down. You've got to put yourself in a position to make fourth down manageable. And uh, and so it changes the entire complexion of the football game, what you're play calling. Uh, you take some of the pressure off on third down conversions because you've still got fourth down and you know you're going to go for it. It uh, it just was a really, really dumb, bad situation for San Francisco. And Andy Reid, expert coach, dots his eyes, crosses his T, apparently covered this extensively in preseason And they went through their strategy of what they wanted to do. And I think Andy Reid didn't want to really call out Kyle Shanahan. So Reid's talking about, yeah, I can see there's advantages in either way. Well, I can tell you, the Chiefs were going to take the ball second. They were going to defend first if they'd have won the coin toss. And so San Francisco totally did them a favor, changed the game. Uh, You know what? Patrick Mahomes, where is he at now as far as playoff quarterbacks? Ooh, he's he's high up there. I'm not talking all-time quarterbacks. Okay, I, I, we don't need to go through the whole list of all-time quarterbacks. But playoff quarterbacks, I think he just jumped above Jim McMahon. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> the Super Bowl shuffle with the headband wearing Jim McMahon. No, uh, uh, seriously, where is he at? Is he... How close is he? You know, this is the great debate, LeBron and Michael, and how many championships does it take, how many MVP awards. But when you just keep adding them up, and he's this young in his career, how close is he? Has he overtaken Brady? And you got to think with Brady, with the number of years and the fact that he did it with two different teams, two different coaching staffs, you got to think Brady is probably still slightly ahead. Yeah. But if he does the three-peat, something that Tom Brady never did, Win three in a row. 
Uh, in fact, something no one's ever done. If he can pull off the three-peat, and that's their goal, they're going to they're gonna bring it back. In fact, uh, Patrick, or Travis Kelsey said after the game, uh, he's coming back next year to make it a three-peat. He said, we'll enjoy this one, but then it's back to work. And Andy Reid, who there's been much speculation about that this might be his chance to win a championship and ride off into the sunset, his wife may have given it away. Did you see the post-game interview? No, I did not. They had him and his wife on the set on the CBS post-game, mm-hmm. which was on CBS Sports Network. And they asked her something about what makes him a special coach. And she said he absolutely loves it. She goes, that's one thing, is that he just loves what he does. She goes, that's why I can't imagine he'll ever retire. And everybody's ears kind of perked up because all of a sudden they're like, oh, really? And she goes, I can't imagine that he'll ever retire because he just loves it so much. (laughs) And so everybody's like, oh, well, she's kind of telling us that there's certainly been no talks in the Reed household of Andy Reed wanting to step away and... uh, and if there have been any talks, it's more about Andy Reid wanting to return rather than step away. So uh, today, Andy Reid confirmed he's coming back with the gang, the bands all together. Kelsey, Mahomes, Reid, uh, Chris Jones, who's just a beast. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And so uh, they're going to bring the band back. And, you know, it's interesting when you look at Kansas City's lineup, because the one thing about Patrick Mahomes that's similar to Brady and even similar to Peyton Manning, although, you know, Peyton Manning certainly didn't have the same kind of playoff success as far as winning Super Bowls. He, uh, you know, he had to go to Denver to finally <laughs> be a Super Bowl quarterback. He, uh, I mean, he got the one with the Colts. Yes, I know. There was one. I, don't don't uh, text me and say, how could you not remember that? Yes, Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl with the Colts, but it seemed like his success, his, his success uh, was much better out in Denver than what he had with... Uh, the Colts, but anyway, let's get back to uh, the discussion here with uh, with Super Bowls. Brady, Manning, Mahomes—the one constant you have with all three of those guys is they make teammates that come and join them better. I mean, Pacheco comes in; he's not a highly rated running back, but this guy's been a solid running back. Now, I don't like the way he runs at times because he runs very tall, very straight up, doesn't get the shoulder pad level low and drive for the extra yard or two after contact, and it almost cost him. Yeah, we saw that fumble after that big play from Mahomes. Got, he had a fumble. He also got stopped short of a first down that yeah. I thought if he put the pad level low, he could have driven right through and gotten the first down. So, you know, he does, I think, have some technique issues. But he cost them nothing. I mean, it literally, he cost them in a scale of NFL payroll, he cost them almost nothing as their star number one running back. And I don't know if star's the right word, but you're starting quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I forgot the last consonant. <laughs> Star, starting running back. Uh, it was uh, it was fun last night, though. Uh, San Francisco, I think they did about everything they could do. The one difference, San Francisco couldn't finish their drives, had to settle for field goals. And against a guy like Patrick Mahomes, if you just keep taking field goals and don't finish with touchdowns eventually... Patrick Mahomes is going to beat you because you're leaving that door open. And then when you miss your extra point and it becomes a three-point game instead of a four-point game and you allow Patrick Mahomes to, quote, settle for a field goal, now you're almost sure as heck beat. At least you're tied. And uh, and so that was a huge miss. But, uh, yeah, Mahomes, by the way, when the game was on the line, how did Mahomes step up? Went eight for eight in overtime. Oh, very impressive. And I think he rushed for 20-some yards as well. Uh, that final drive, I yeah. think he had all but like five or six yards of the final yardage on the overtime drive for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, anyway, four six eight six two. Also, I thought um, it was uh, at a slight advantage coaching-wise to Kansas City, and I thought that made a difference. But the fact that Kansas City has gotten behind by 10 points or more. In fact, to be honest, it's been like exactly 10 points multiple times. And uh, Patrick Mahomes just never gets rattled. And he was not playing all that well. In fact, the Chiefs offense wasn't playing well in that first half. 
And it just was like they they stayed true to the plan. They stayed true to the process. They made some adjustments at halftime. And, uh, you know, and this is a different Kansas City offense than the one we saw a few years. You know, a few years ago, you had Mahomes scrambling all over and then sailing it deep down the field, always mm-hmm. going vertical because they had the speedy wideouts with Tyreek Hill. And now they don't have necessarily that same type of speed on the outside. So it's a lot of intermediate routes, a lot of 10, 15-yard crossing routes. He looks for, you know, Kelsey in that 10 to 15-yard range. It's almost um, more... Uh, Brady to Gronkowski-esque. Yeah, and it's, well, and it's also, uh, I mean, you know, we've we've talked a lot this past week. In fact, you've heard this on Sports Talk, the game manager stuff, right? (laughs) Instead of having to make the big play, you take what the defense gives you, you don't make mistakes, and you methodically basically move it down the field against your opponent. That's what the Chiefs now do offensively, and it doesn't put up the gaudy numbers, you know, in the 40-plus points that they were scoring three years ago, four years ago. But they've also got a lot more trust in their defense than they probably ever have in the past. And and while we're talking about defense for Kansas City, how about a big congrats to Fort Wayne Carroll grad, former Notre Dame Fighting Irish linebacker, Drew Tranquil, who is now a Super Bowl champion. Very cool. Big congrats to Drew. Yep. Uh, so what'd you think last night, Adam, your thoughts on the game? Um, it was honestly, it was a little, you know, not exciting to start. I thought, you know, we were just kind of well, going, like points being scored. It's like going and yeah. watching a baseball game, wanting to see the home runs and you've got a pitcher's duel. I mean, it yeah. was defense dominated and I give credit to both defenses. First of all, the fumble on the first drive of the game by Christian McCaffrey. Also, a lot of people have overlooked and forgotten about, but San Francisco came out absolutely on fire Mm -hmm. they were just shoving it right down the throats of kansas city and got in it might have been just outside the red zone i wasn't sure how close they were but the fact that christian mccaffrey fumbled that when san francisco was driving if you go back in hindsight those would have been valuable points Mm -hmm. and they were already easily in field goal range so that was a huge fumble for uh mccaffrey yeah i have to say i wasn't uh super invested until maybe uh, mid third quarter or so oh, okay. is, that, I... is that when she went home <laughs> 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 then you said okay now i can sit down and actually watch the game no 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 it was just that's when things kind of started picking up things were close you get to Stopped uh, watching love actually <laughs> uh, but man. uh right about when uh scantling got that uh that touchdown that was about when i started getting kind of really into oh. it and saying this is this is a game now here he comes yeah here yeah. he comes mahomes has found his rhythm look out exactly i mean that was a beautiful play and and nobody covered him so no. it was it was obvious that kansas city had figured a hole found yeah. a hole in that san francisco defense and that's what they were looking for and that's like what i said about mahomes i mean just you know putting on all the little marker lines and dots before they have surgery, it's like Mahomes probably knew that was a play where there was going to be a void. He was going to be uncovered and that when they got the opportunity in the red zone to go to that play, that was what they were dialing up and perfect execution. And then San Francisco gets into those positions. They don't have that play ready. Right? No, no. I mean, they didn't seem to have any idea what they were doing when they were in the red zone or, or down near the 10-yard line. And then and on the opposite side, Andy Reid is just surgical with the play calling. And Well, the other thing, too, I think Kansas City, with their offense, with Andy Reid and, and Mahomes, I think he has faith and trust that Mahomes isn't going to make the costly mistake when you're in a field goal position. I don't know that San Francisco is still there with Brock Purdy. Do they have 100% confidence they can go to anything in the playbook and that he'll make the right decision, the right read, and get it to the right player without making a mistake, getting a tip ball, turning it over, and costing themselves points? Yeah. I mean, that, you know, he's only in his second year. Yeah. And sometimes that kind of trust takes a little more time. Still got to work through some of that youth and experience, even though you're at the biggest stage. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. A lot of other things happened in the game last night, of course. Plenty of musical acts to talk about. There were commercials. Um, there were uh, uh, confrontations on the sideline. Yeah, we got a texter asking about your opinion <laughs> of that. We'll have to I'll, get to that. I'll talk about that, too. Uh, Kelsey may be a little overly physical in his <laughs> 
demands of Coach Andy Reid. Uh, college basketball this weekend. It also happened to be the Purdue IU weekend. And so uh, we'll have to talk about what happened between the Boilermakers and the Hoosiers. And, of course, any comments that you've got, text us at 46862 on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Already about 10 minutes behind our scheduled clock today, so we got to keep things moving. It is the Sports Rush. Don Fisher joins us in hour number two for our 15 minutes with Fish. Adam, text line's been busy. I know oh, yeah. uh, we got a text when we were asking about where this puts Patrick Mahomes as far as the uh, the all-time playoff quarterback list, and somebody responded. Yeah, they said Montana's got four, Brady's got six or seven. Mahomes has a way to go yet. Uh, put the brakes on him being the best. I uh, now I never gave him the best. I just said where does they put him, and I thought it probably has to put him behind Brady. Now, if you go any further back than Montana, Montana to me was the tra- transition from the NFL being a running back driven league to being more of a quarterback and passing league because you had the West Coast offense right mm-hmm. in in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So once you got into the nineties. And then moving into the 2000s, it was much more a passing uh, passing league and quarterbacks became more valuable. You could actually look at differences because quarterbacks could carry you or they could fail you. Um, and so it's hard to go back and say Terry Bradshaw with his four <laughs> Super Bowl titles is one of the best all time because it just was not a passing league. They had Rocky Blyer and Franco Harris. And so they had running backs. But um but no, it's it, you know he's he's done it in such a short amount of time. He still seems like a young quarterback who's already collecting plenty of hardware with Super Bowl titles. And it seems like how many games have they won because of in the playoffs because of Patrick Mahomes? I mean, because of comebacks. You know, I mean, think about how many times they were down and they ended up getting to the Super Bowl or you know with with major comeback wins and and so it's almost like. It seemed like the Patriots were ahead a lot, right? And, and yeah. you know, they had really good teams, really good defenses. They were that seemed like they played from ahead. Where it's like Kansas City has spent a lot of this this era under Patrick Mahomes, where they played playoff games from behind. Oh yeah, and it doesn't seem to phase them. No, because they've got Patrick Mahomes, and the other team doesn't. Four six eight six two is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. So. Last night, a lot of, as it is generally at the Super Bowl, last night, maybe even more so, a lot of the attention on the musical acts. Pre-game, we had Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani. Uh, Post Malone, Reba, among the people that had actually performed before the game. At halftime, of course, the big show was Usher. I knew one song. <laughs> was it Yeah? I, yeah. 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 <laughs> Alicia Keys, I knew her song. Yeah, and she looked very nice in her red uh, jumpsuit, very yeah. sequiny and yeah, nice. Very, very sparkly. Uh, Ludacris, <laughs> I recognized him. Yeah, Luda. Uh, and then I guess uh, her, H-E-R, yeah, H-E-R, her. Yeah. I don't know if she goes by her or H-E-R, but I guess she was the one that performed. I had to look that up. <laughs> Didn't know who it was. I thought this must be somebody famous because she's coming out like a special guest. Right, right. I don't know who it is. Was she the one with the guitar? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm yeah. glad you had to ask. <laughs> you had to go to the upper octave like you usually see with the guitar. Because uh, I did not know who she was. She did well, though. She did well. But now I know her. <laughs> uh, oh, who geez. else? Was um, that Little Wayne? Who was that? That uh, mm. there was one other uh, rapper in there. Now I'm trying to remember. Um, but uh, but of course the halftime performance was primarily built around Usher. But since Usher doesn't have a music library that's big enough to fill the entire halftime, he had to bring a bunch of guests to come along <laughs> and help. Um, I. I was never super excited about Usher, and no. I'm very uh about it at this point. It was not my thing. Oh, it was Lil John. Lil John, that's who it is. I get them confused. Lil John, and, Lil Wayne. I, I actually anybody with a little, <laughs> I, I have trouble with. Lil Uzi Vert. <laughs> Four six eight six two is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Post game, we had some music too. Yeah, Travis Kelsey did not get down on <laughs> the one knee though. He did not. 
Maybe it's just not quite time. No, still a little early. But they they were told by NFL officials to get a room. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, uh, they were glad to embrace, obviously. Uh, and actually, nice it's, it's pretty sweet. I yeah. mean, it, you know, the whole story, I think people are over the fact that, you know, she's stealing the thunder and it's a publicity stunt or whatever mm-hmm. people thought when there was some anger aimed her direction. Let me tell you something. She's bringing eyeballs to the NFL. Nobody's nobody's getting hurt over this. Except the feelings of some upset men. That's about it. That's the I only mean, thing it, that's it, getting it, hurt. It seems ridiculous to me. Now, you know, I'm thinking if they were going to show her every time Travis Kelsey did something, then if Christian McCaffrey did something, where was, uh, is it Olivia Culpa? <laughs> I have no idea. She's a supermodel, uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit model who is uh, engaged to Christian McCaffrey. There's, I think they're getting married this year. Yep, you got it right. Olivia okay. Culpa. Olivia Culpa. Yeah, they could have shown her. I, I don't think they ever did show her. And I'm like, let's give fair equal time. Let's, <laughs> let's find the yeah, Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. Where is she at? Oh, we're all here for fairness. <laughs> yeah, we want to keep things fair and equal. Um, did show a quick shot of Beyonce. Yeah. Who yeah. was there. Always exciting to see. The so among TV. musical stars who had big, huge worldwide tours, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift got much more exposure. That's just the way it's, that's the, you know, it's Taylor Swift's world we're living She's in. dating a star player. But <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't think they went overboard. They it, No. It, it was about the limit, though. I, I thought yeah. they're pushing it, but they also realized this game has a lot more women viewers. Right. And it's brought in a lot of Swifties. They probably never would have watched the Super Bowl. So they had to give them what they wanted. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, plenty of music. Anything stand out for you musically? Honestly, I thought with Blake, but Blake and Gwen doing the pregame, I thought, you know, when Kelsey broke into song, I thought maybe <laughs> maybe Taylor and uh, Travis would have like a new uh, single to announce after, <laughs> after the game. Uh, <laughs> by the way, my recommendation to Travis, stick to football. Uh, let Taylor do the singing. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> the no. Viva Las Vegas was maybe uh, his worst. None of the music really impressed me that much. I'll be honest with you. I well, thought it was kind of a, a mid-year. Speaking of not being impressed too much, Tony Romo, what did you think of him last night? I know he's taken a lot of criticism through the years about maybe his over-exuberance. Last night, a technical flaw by Tony Romo, and it's like Broadcasting 101. It was bad, and, you know, there's there's kind of a an unwritten rule, and, and maybe it's even written if you go to Syracuse and go to New <laughs> Newhouse where all these guys that come into tin caps. Maybe it is written. I just didn't get to that part of college. But, uh, but when you have the big moment, the grand ending, you step back, you get out of the way, you let the pictures tell the story, and you don't talk. And we've seen this happen. World Series, NBA, um, last night, overtime winner in the Super Bowl. You've got to be prepared as a broadcaster to understand this is not your moment to describe the winning play. There's going to be plenty of time to do that. But you've got to get out of the way. Let the play-by-play man, who's one of the best in the business, if not the best in the business, have the stage to have another one of his iconic calls, which he's had so many signature calls of final moments, whether it's Final Four, whether it's the Masters, whether it's the Super Bowl. Stay out of the way. Oh, and here comes fumbling, bumbling Tony. As soon as the winning touchdown is scored, here's what he did last night when uh, they caught the touchdown pass to win the game. There's only few people out there being like, what's going on? First and goal. Mahomes wins it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! And this was the Andy Reid special. This was the Andy Reid special. We talked about he was saving all day. He's going to fake a motion to go across. And at that moment, he turns and goes back. Hartman, who they didn't have, right? And they go get Hartman and bring him back. And the game-winning drive of Mahomes' career, he's been waiting for. He's won Super Bowls, but he's never had it in an overtime. He is the best. He is the standard. When Michael Jordan wins it again. I guarantee you there was a producer. There was a reaction from Nance. There was something that happened 
when Tony jumped in and started talking. Because the producer knows this is the moment to go to the pictures that are telling the story that you can actually uh, let the pictures kind of emit the emotion of the moment. You know, see the tears, see the joy, see the, uh, you know, the hugs, everything that was going on. This is your moment as a producer, as a director, to really showcase yourself in the next 30 to 60 seconds. And all of a sudden, Tony starts talking and either Jim Dance reacted or a producer screamed in Tony's ear, no, (laughs) I don't know which it was. But listen, because as soon as he goes to talk, listen to him kind of pause and then continue. Listen to this again. Only few people out there being like, what's going on? First and goal. Mahomes plays it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! Here it comes. And this was the Andy Reid special. This was the Andy Reid special right there. we talked about. He was saving all day. Right there. You could hear. This is the Andy Reid special. And then he paused because somebody was trying to get him to shut up and back out. And he continued on with his complete thought. Last night, I thought Tony Romo completely blew that situation. I thought he had some really good points. I also thought that in some cases, brevity is king. And he kind of lingered on used too many words to explain things sometimes it was like he was carrying the uh the color into the next play and not giving jim nance a moment to actually breathe or set up you know second down third whatever it might be and so i thought the actual flow of the game was disrupted and maybe that's something that you hear as a broadcaster that Hey, it's time to cut. You're the color guy. Let your play-by-play guy have the moment now where they're about to snap the football. And Tony went too long. But that right there ruined the stage for Jim Nance, who had a great line. Jackpot. Kansas City. And then Romo had to come in and explain how Andy Reid had designed a special play for that special moment. And, uh, you know, the Walter, or what what did he call him? The... uh, Michael, the Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. The Michael Jordan added again or something. And, and it's like, and then if you went on to listen to the broadcast, the next 60 seconds or so was completely dead air. Nobody talked. <laughs> and at that point, maybe they muted his mic and Jim Nance knew to let the pictures then share the story, let the broadcast breathe. And uh, then eventually they came back in. But that was, man, that was bad. Yeah, pretty rough. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see Tom Brady, uh, what he does. Because I think next year Tom Brady is going to actually have the Super Bowl in his very first year as the color guy on the number one broadcast team for Fox. At least that's the way everything is expected to be. Oh, well, he certainly can break the game of football down. It's just a question of can he do it mentally or can he do it verbally on TV? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, but there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just having that knowledge. Right. It's about knowing where your place is, picking where you make certain points, getting in, getting out, being able to verbalize without uh, using too many words and, and lingering on with run on sentences. Uh, and, and last night I thought, I mean, during the game, I'd say Tony Romo would have had a B minus type performance, but after that disaster in, uh, in the post game, I, boy, and the only thing I noticed during the game, the one thing that stood out other than, you know, lingering a little bit into the next play was there was a, a rules, uh, a rules, uh, interpretation where they go to Gene Steratore, right? Right who's in the booth, and that's why he's there. He's he's the one that is responsible to explain the rules. And I think, was it on that catch on the sideline? And Jim Nance brings in Gene Steratore and says, Gene, what do you think about this? And then Tony Romo starts talking and just would not shut up. He did not let Gene Steratore come in to explain to us what was happening. Mm. Stepped all over Steratore. But uh, I end up, I think Romo gets a D for that performance last night. We have high expectations. It's the Super Bowl. Yeah. It needs to be the best of the best from a production standpoint. Did you know how many cameras CBS had there last night? Ooh. Oh, at least at least at least 
30. 165 <laughs> cameras. I, uh, a little under. Yeah. Every seat had its own GoPro. Uh, <laughs> actually, no. Uh, and, and remarkably, only about 65 of them were focused on Taylor Swift's box. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you had uh, 165 cameras. And it did give us some shots we probably wouldn't have had or wouldn't have had the clarity. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, when uh, San Francisco's linebacker went to take the field and popped his Achilles, the camera was right behind him showing him to getting ready to jog out onto the field and going down with that injury. Probably would not have seen that. So there's always an advantage having those extra cameras. You also get different angles for the replays. But, uh, yeah, they had 165 cameras. They used a special graphic on touchdowns. I don't know what you thought about that extra graphic that went up above the goalpost. Yeah. Touchdown, Kansas City. Uh, But that was something I think they picked up, actually, off the Nickelodeon broadcast. (laughs) Slime time. Yeah. And everything without the slime. Yeah. But uh, I thought from a production standpoint, it was fine. I thought at halftime, Usher, the sound quality was terrible. I don't know why. Yeah. That seemed to be a disaster. Sound issues at halftime. A lot of people complained about that. I thought, I got to get up and clean my ears out. Uh, but everybody <laughs> yeah. else was complaining, so I realized, nope, not me. It sounded kind of quiet and muffled a little bit, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It sounded, uh, yeah, exactly that. It sounded like they use a Game Boy or, or a, you know, one of those, uh, <laughs> yeah. the gamer mics, right? Sure. The gamer headset <laughs> instead of actually using a quality microphone. But yeah. it, it, uh, the audio quality at halftime didn't seem good. I don't know if that's CBS or if that's whoever is the producer of the halftime, right. which I think is a little different than the game. Overall, though, uh, not a bad broadcast. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. We come back. Purdue IU from Saturday night. And I'll get to Travis Kelsey bumping into Andy Reid. Man, it is a busy day and we are behind, but we're going to do some catch up here on this Monday edition of the Sports Rush. On 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. My true feelings on this subject. Yeah, a little behind the scenes. A uh, little take. behind the scenes that you get during the commercial break. If you tune in on Facebook.com slash 1380TheFan, where we are live streaming today's show. Adam's got the camera set up, and uh, we're right here in the studio, so you can listen to it in your car when you get home. You want to pop open the PC, the laptop, hey, even your mobile device, you can watch the show up until 6 o'clock. Did you indulge in any uh, Super Bowl snacks yesterday? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. I had uh, my favorite dinner, which I had kind of during the first half, which, of course, was my pizza. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear what some of the good foods people ate during the Super Bowl parties yesterday. Uh, and, of course, commercials. We'll be talking about those. Yeah. What are your favorite commercials? Everybody makes a big deal about the commercials that are out See, I don't care about that so much. I just care about the food. I, you know what I always think when I watch the commercials? What? Really creative, entertaining, but is it selling the product? Yeah, that's, you know. In other words, will people notice the cute little story and the characters in a commercial, and then by Do the I? end of the game, can they remember who was that that actual commercial for? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like they go really heavy on, like, the emotionals and the stories and the feel-goods, but it's like, is that really selling the product, or is it just making you feel good? Just great cinema. Yeah. And and so, as an advertising person, I'm always thinking, did they hit the point? Did they get something that had a great story that was also directed toward the benefits or the needs of that particular product? Uh, I thought the AI... Uh, artificial intelligent commercial was pretty much on point. I think it explained, you know, what the benefits were and stayed on point. But I don't know if that would be listed as one of your favorites because it wasn't no. overly emotional, overly cute. Right. Effective, but not necessarily one of the award winners as far as what people. And that's the other thing is they try to get a commercial where people will talk about it. But will they talk about it saying, uh, I like the commercial for X car company or will they say, I like the commercial with the baby in the back seat that was driving the car. You yeah. know, I mean, that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, but oh. Oh, the Steelers and quarterback Mitchell Trubisky have decided to mutually part ways. That's not a surprise. Not a surprise. No, I, I don't think so. Anyway. Uh, moving on. Once again, Adam with breaking news from outside <laughs> our market. <laughs> And what about the Timberwolves? Anything happening up in Minnesota today, today that we need? Nothing today. <laughs> 46862. We're, we're already behind, but Adam wanted to break in with the Trubisky story. Woo! Um, 
there are still people that still are Trubisky fans, or at least they follow his career because of his time in Chicago, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine Text Line. Speaking of uh, quarterbacks, now I'm getting off track. <laughs> uh, Anthony Richardson has announced on Instagram he's about ready to begin throwing. All right. And so that's a good sign that yeah. everything seems to be progressing well and that he hopes to be out on the field throwing and returning to throwing soon. Now, that might be something where he throws it across the living room. It might not be, you know, 20-yard passes. But uh, just to begin that motion, begin bringing back his strength. So, I mean, everybody's hopeful that he'll be ready to go by the time camp opens and then the season begins in September. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. So, Saturday night, I got back. Like I said, I had a great day Saturday. Went mm-hmm. down and uh, did the game with IUPUI and Purdue-Fort Wayne. Got a big win down there. And then uh, I went down past Greenwood, where my my son now has a home. He just recently moved from Syracuse, New York, to get back into Indiana. And he and his wife have a nice place. But they also have a daughter who I had not met. Grandpa needs to meet his granddaughter. And uh, because of my schedule, they, you know, they moved here in October. Um, and then I had mastodons. And then I had, remember when I had the cold real bad, got laryngitis? Yeah. Well, that freaked them out. I was not going to be anywhere near her when I had <laughs> any kind of illness. And then at Christmas time, I went down to Florida. So it, it's been like in the last four weeks where I've actually had time then to be able to pick a day to get down there. And so I finally said, hey, look, I'll drive to the game. Instead of riding the bus, I'll drive to the game. So actually what was funny is Friday, Griff was here. Uh, who was it? John Nolan doing the game. I was sitting at home, munching on some pizza, <laughs> listening to you guys. Uh, I actually had not gone down to Indianapolis. I didn't leave until Saturday morning. But I drove so that I would have my vehicle mm-hmm. and be able to go down and see my granddaughter. And so first time, had a chance to spend some time with my granddaughter. Awesome. And got back maybe 20 to 30 minutes before the tip-off of Purdue, Indiana. And it was somewhat competitive early, but but yet I thought uh, I don't see the spark that I need to see from Indiana to believe that they're going to end up winning this game. It's like you got to come out on fire and put Purdue on their heels and take the crowd out of it. The crowd was still in in the game, and so – I, I just never felt like Indiana was going to win it, and then Purdue eventually started pulling away. Yep. Won it by 20 points, and that even was misleading because the game was not that close. Uh, C.J. Gunn hit, what, three threes like yeah. in the last five minutes, and, kind of. and that made it a little bit closer than the uh, the game may actually have been. <laughs> but, it, but it was Purdue dominating over Indiana. After the game... Mike Woodson had a very interesting comment in explaining this and where the team is at and what the hopes for the future of this Indiana ball club might be. We just got to, you know, we got to continue to grow as a team. And we're going to have to add some pieces. But the season's not over with, guys. I mean, we still have six more games, uh, seven more games, I believe, to go. And anything can happen. We got four of those seven at home, which we got to... We got to take care of our home court. We got to win at home, and then we got three games out on the road that that we got to go and win. I mean, it's just that simple. So I mean, we're still in the thick of things. We're in the middle of the pack. Well, he did get one thing right. That's probably about all the more games Indiana's going to have to play <laughs> when you count the regular season and the one game in the Big Ten tournament before they're done. They won't be playing any more basketball. So he did get that part right when he said we've got six or seven more games to play. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Probably that will be the season. Yes. Yes, it will. But then he also comes back with the comment that we're right in the thick of it. Now, I I don't know what exactly, you know, what title you're looking for. If it's participation ribbon, you're well on your way, Mike. But you're not going to win the Big Ten regular season championship. You're not going to... Very, very unlikely. In fact, I have to do the math to even see if it's still mathematically possible to get into one of the top four seeds for the Big Ten tournament. And I don't know if that's what he's referring to, but tell me what you're in the thick of. Other than being a mediocre basketball team with a lot of other mediocre basketball teams in a down year in the Big Ten. That's what you're in the middle of. And uh, 
It'd be like the team that out of 362 ranked teams on Ken Palm in college basketball, you're number 300. So there's some behind you, there's some ahead of you, and you could say, we're right there in the pack. And that's kind of what he's he's referring to. That is not where Indiana is supposed to be. And if that makes you feel good, that the season's not over, and there's still, you know, still a lot ahead of you because you're right in the thick of it, I don't even know what he's referring to. He's not in the thick of making an NCAA tournament, likely not even in the thick of making an NIT appearance at this point because, I mean, go through and look at what they did this year against those signature teams that they could have made a mark with. I mean, UConn. Uh, who, they, who all did they play? They played UConn, Auburn, um, trying to do it on the top Kansas. of my head. Wisconsin, Kansas. Kansas was the only one they were close with. They played Purdue twice, got beat by a combined 41 points in the two games against Purdue. Absolutely got blown out by everybody who was a respectable opponent that would have given them maybe some kind of a marquee or an A-quadrant-type victory. They're not in the thick of anything. I think he needs to understand that. Your thoughts, 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Another hour Coming up, in fact, we're already kind of getting into it. But, uh, hey, we're playing catch-up. We've got Don Fisher who will join us coming up in about 20 minutes. It's our 15 minutes with Fish. We'll also get your text. And we've got tickets that we're going to give away at the suite level coming up uh, this Wednesday night. It's uh, There's only two home games remaining for the Mastodons. They play uh, the Oakland Golden Grizzlies Wednesday night, team that's right now fighting for first place. Wednesday night at the Coliseum, they beat Oakland back at the beginning of December by 21 points, 98 to 77, when they played on the road at the Arena. So this could be a pretty exciting game, and we've got your tickets. I'll also give you a stat for the Mastodons that if all you're looking at is the wins and losses, you might be missing a bigger point. And I'll tell you what that is coming up uh, in the next hour as well. So it's it's busy all the way till 6 today because it's post-Super Bowl, it's post-IU Purdue, and this is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.